Hello, everybody. This is LibUX, a podcast about design and user experience for libraries in the higher ed web. I am Michael. I'm Amanda. And this week, we don't really have any topics, but I thought it would be really fun to play 20 questions with a bunch of graduate students. What do you think? Yes. (laughs) What's going on here is that that yesterday I had the privilege of being a guest speaker at a, I think it was at at an information studies course. I think it might have just been intro to uh, LIS at uh, Florida State University. Um, but it was my kind of thing. I didn't even prepare much of a lecture. It was just uh, like two and a half hours of Q&A. And these are the kind of questions that could only be asked by near graduates terrified of the looming job market and stuff like that. And I thought it, I thought some of the questions were good and insightful. And I felt proud to be able to answer quite candidly. And anyway, so I thought I'd... Uh, get you to do it too (laughs) oh no did you write down some of these questions they are all on twitter um so i am um i'm on tweet deck now and i've this uh this course taught by abigail phillips she forces her students to participate on twitter using the hashtag of their course name and it's kind of entertaining and they asked me all the questions even though that like they were there you know before me and i could hear them through the mic they asked most of their questions um through the hashtag and it was um it was just kind of cool and convenient yeah, so you were projected up on the big screen then, right? Yeah, um, and of course, uh, by virtue of like campus technology, they could see and hear me, but I couldn't see or hear them. So we had a totally separate, um, simultaneous Skype conversation going on on two different other machines so that I could communicate with the instructor's personal computer, but it all worked out. Okay, let's start with Jake Cosberg at Cosberg 2 Amanda. How do you think the term librarian has changed over the years? I'm trying to think of like this, like what, because when I think of the word librarian, I'm thinking of the public perception of librarian. I don't really have a clever answer, which nobody else has not ever thought of. No, that's what I think too. I think when I hear librarian, that's why I always build myself as, you know, I'm a developer first, because that's kind of, that describes the function of my job. Because yeah, when I think about librarian, I think about public librarians, specifically like reader's advisory, I, even the even the stereotype, you know, the horn rims and, you know, the shushing. Yeah, well, I heard on something the other day, I have no idea where I heard this, where they were saying about the three most trusted professions in America was soldier, nurse, and then librarian. What? That's crazy. Yeah, and it's like, you know, they picture librarians really don't have an agenda, and so they're just very helpful, and that's what people are looking for nowadays. That's really cool. Amanda, from Dixie Keys at DSK13B, does your job have a good work-life balance? Mike job at work yes because I leave it at leave it there when I walk out the door but I am a workaholic at home and I do lots of other projects so what about you same here well no so um yeah so I spend a lot of time at work a lot of extra time at work that you know I maybe I shouldn't and then here's the problem I think with just both you and I both you and I do web stuff as a hobby and as a living and I explained in a totally unrelated question that to be kind of moderately successful doing this sort of thing you it just requires a lot of time you know the technology changes it's very involved work and it doesn't behoove the kind of person who wants a very good work-life balance right you know because this this is not just like what I, i don't mean to speak for you but it's not what we do it's also what we do for fun which really blurs those lines you know yes i absolutely agree 
Um, and like, you know, I was saying there, like the stuff I do for my job, most of the time when I leave work, that's it. But if I'm on vacation, my th- I all of a sudden think of a million things I want to do. But day to day, when I walk out, that is my job. But then I come home and then I obsess over the internet with various aspects, like you were saying. <laughs> Have you, um... This is not something they asked, um, but I think that one of the one of the fallbacks is that when I do have like free time, I don't want to be in front of a, a screen or computer. So what I find is that um, I kind of get repulsed when people like contact me, <laughs> like like when my phone buzzes and oh, there's a text message. How dare they? <laughs> or uh, or lo and behold, that they actually call me. Um, so I just took a measure where I used this app called Moment. And what it does is if I have spent more than an hour and a half looking at with basically it measures the time your the screen on your phone is turned on. And if that once that reaches an hour and a half, it kind of blocks me from using the phone altogether. And I think that's been really, really good because because what I find my inclination will be is like when I do have free time, but let's say I'm incredibly bored watching Scream Queens or whatever. Um, I'll be playing on my phone all throughout the night. And what I want to try to do is kind of like stop. Yeah, I think that's a really good goal. And there's definitely, when I'm away from the internet for more than one day, I don't miss it at all. And so I think that I'm actually probably pretty healthy. But the only way to talk to my best friend is online and she does not phone call or text. So I have to have the internet all the time just so I can talk to her. But anyways, <laughs> work-life balances and computer screen time. Will libraries be replaced by a robot someday? Uh, who asked this one? <laughs> well, it started out with uh, Carolyn Rioyo at that. Um, and she was asking, do you ever worry that Yule, as me or you, will be replaced by a robot someday? But um, her instructor took it up a level. Will libraries be replaced by robots? And that one entertains me. I'm not really concerned about robots doing my job. It'd be more on the lines of, and I agree in some places, that instead of having a outside or a dedicated web person, you just buy a theme and throw it up there and maybe send somebody to a class for a couple weeks so I could see that replacing me yeah I think I said something similar I was like their computers are pretty dumb they can't do the human elements of our job well at all and I think that's going to be increasingly what we are going to be engaged in but I can totally see them replacing perhaps the more technical elements or the more rep- certainly the more repetitive elements. I like you know I, I'm sure I'll piss off any catalogers out there, but I figure like you know in time cataloging <laughs> can probably be automated and uh, you know things like this. But I I spent a long time talking about the human element of code development and design. We talked about The Grid, which folks can find at thegrid.io, which is supposedly this algorithmic website maker based off your content, whether you post a lot of photos or you post a lot of long-form text. It will create algorithmically a layout that is optimized for the kind of content that you make and i think that's pretty cool and but i you know i don't think that it's going to to replace programmers or designers because you know what we fundamentally do especially you know when you have to build user-centric things is really infuse a lot with 
sort of like the abstract, a very human aspect to all of our kind of work. And I just don't think computers are going to do that anytime soon until we become the computer. <laughs> so, you know, if you talk to libraries and they're and archives too and they're just like oh my community is the most unique special thing in the world we have nothing in common with anybody else and this is why we can't just collaborate more and use a pew internet survey sort of thing so that would be my bigger not concern exactly but in the future like we might get our act together and um do better communication that way and so that will take out a lot of the because you know as a society we work certain ways so we have those commonalities i could see that coming into play miss page at ginja page asks how do you deal with the need to keep your skills up to date constantly in such a competitive field come home and read that's what i said <laughs> i was like i was like well it's like after you're done doing this kind of stuff at work you come home and you continue to do this kind of stuff and then you sleep <laughs> It's not something that you turn off. I like certainly, in, especially in the web world. Yeah, you have to love it, and you have to be dedicated. If this this all presumes that you are interested in staying in the cutting edge, there are um, reasons, totally valid reasons, to move at a different pace. You know, like you don't always need to jump on the latest framework or change your designs all the time but if that is part of what you do you're building a whole bunch of different websites not just one that has to last for a long time or applications or you're using different new things new tools that come out um fairly you know after they've reached just stable 1.0 then you know if that's an aspect then the reality is that you have to kind of like dedicate some of your free time to it but i don't think it's fair that said to expect that web folk maintain their currency on their own time i think only i think you know just in terms of currency the the workplace has to give you the time they have to invest in you both the time and i guess potentially any actual budget to do training and just to read stuff like that we have a whole we have a whole episode on uh, hiring web librarians from five or six episodes ago or maybe even longer than that but i sort of repeated everything that you and i said (laughs) (laughs) oh well actually here's a kind of a twist on that question is the way that you get your ux web education changed in the last few years oh good question Yes, but it's not going to be a very, this is going to be a a widely applicable um, statement that I'm going to make. I started by reading kind of like the the global keystone like research and following the movers and shakers like Jared Spool and the Nielsen Norman group and like Eric Flowers and, you know, making sure to kind of read everything that they write. Certainly um, any of like the big books, you know, don't make me think, etc. So that, you know, until I had like a fairly good good um framework and feel for and maybe even like my own take on user experience or you know as what we purport and i don't think anyone else does the user experience which i prefer to look at it as an overall measurement rather than something sort of kind of abstract and emotional so so at first you know like i guess it's a lot of that and now what i tend to learn from is the actual behavior of my users. So I guess what I've been able to graduate to, and it's only and it's only been able to be effective since I built a, a good platform of understanding originally that, you know, now I can look at like kind of like broader data sets, specifically the data sets of, of my very specific users, conduct my own research and things like that. But no, I guess, you know, I got into this, it was still all online. So nothing like that has totally changed at all. It's just now I have my own like data mechanisms in place and, um, and I just look at 
some like the the stock reports rather than kind of like relying on the infographics now but but i think that's probably true to every kind of discipline once you develop a a certain comfort with it then you i don't know you start just digging a little deeper you know jeremiah low at i am libeldra do you think there are a lot of job openings for jobs similar to yours i've seen more come about in the last four to five years but i still think that you have to do more digging to find because you know there's a hundred different terms that people use like mine is user experience librarian but you have like the web developers front end developers digital service staff yeah no so i again yeah i feel like in the last few years i've seen more job titles and i think at first they started with maybe like web services librarians was maybe like the first generation of titles and then there's like user experience but i tried to explain what I think we're really seeing, and I think we can look at some of the bigger institutions like the University of Michigan or University of Arizona who are developing their own user experience teams, not just individuals. What's happening is that kind of like a lot of these positions that may have been afforded originally just to startups or, you know, just like the commercial sector is kind of winding their way into ours. So for, for some libraries that can afford it, not, there's not just like a web person, there are web teams and there are user experience teams, not just a user experience person. Making sure to distinguish user experience from like the web developers who sometimes because of the vagaries of the title do the exact same thing, but oftentimes don't. They do very specific things. And I think um, University of Arizona just hired or has a content strategist and that is what they do and i think um we're only going to see more and more of that i also think i like let me me just add i also think that it's um if you're if that is the niche that someone goes into i think while there are fewer kinds of those positions than say reference librarian it's probably easier to get hired i think that there are a few people fewer people in this kind of niche and the um and like like i just kind of explained our our vague titles web services or user experience librarian don't actually very accurately describe the function of the job so there are actually more niches within the niche more specializations for instance i consider that i specialize predominantly as a developer even though like user experience is part of my job i think that it's probably there are probably a lot more opportunities for those than reference librarians i just think because so many while there are so many positions i mean there are so many kind of like general practitioners who are all clambering for the job whereas let's say there's five web services librarians one of those might be describing more of a front-end developer the other might be describing more of like a content person um or an electronic electronic resources librarian so like the i don't know I, i i don't know what i'm saying i think it just behooves the specialists and we're in that kind of time yeah well that's the one thing that if you look at my current career path if you know if I want to go one step above being a UX librarian and you know I've seen some of the job descriptions for that and they are so incredibly specialized especially with like the software skills that you need to have that I'm not sure I would be able to make that jump without doing tons of study on my own but then again sometimes you just can't have access to that software which the next level up would be using. Speaking of Michael Treby at Michael Treby 92 asks where do you see yourself in five to ten years? A new position or working on an even bigger project? Oh man! This For is, the world, Amanda. That's such an <laughs> that's such an unfair question. <laughs> well, my dream job 
was digital projects with digitization, but then I found content strategy and found oh, madly in love with that. But then I started doing teaching and freelance. So I'm very confused for myself what I'm going to be doing in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Like I had to answer this question actually as part of my performance evaluation this year. And I think, you know, in so many words, I wrote, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I see myself being a boss, but I don't ever see myself transitioning to a different kind of librarianship, right? So if I would never take a promotion if I had to you know, work the reference desk, <laughs> you know, uh, like there's these terrible realizations that I've come to as I have so specialized that I don't want to do any other kind of librarianship. And mostly the kind of librarianship I want to do doesn't involve much librarianship, you know, I this this predated a question, just a little context preceded a question that involved a question about how much money I made and whether or not I would ever go leave library land which by the way was the first time they ever heard the term library land and they what? were kind of delighted yeah um and go commercial and so i thought that was interesting and i had to admit that i have often toyed with the idea of leaving libraries and working at a startup if there was an opportunity available or um going to maybe maybe even going like laterally to like another in-house devops team but for you know a com- like a private company or something like that but I, you know, I think, you know, I think the niche is growing. I think there's a lot of advantages and affordances to still to remaining, you know, in libraries. But it all boils down to that, you know, in like five years, I don't really know. I'm definitely going to be doing this kind of work, though. Dixie Keys at DSK13B asks another question. Is there anything that you wish you'd done or learned in college to better prepare you for your career? I'm going to assume by college they mean grad school maybe like let's take, it, <laughs> let's take it at face take let's take the whole college experience right let's start let's start with undergrad is there anything about the undergrad your time in undergrad that you wish you would have done let me rephrase that is there anything during your undergrad that you wish you might have done differently and then let's apply that same question to grad school now she's asking to prepare ourselves for our careers i'm interested just to keep it kind of like more open yeah so maybe not necessarily to make us better at what we do just what we might have done different Well, considering that my current job pulls mostly on my undergraduate education and barely on my librarianship. What was your undergraduate in? Multimedia Arts and Science, which was 2D and 3D animation, video production, and web design. I pretty much do that. That's way more relevant (laughs) than mine. But I would love to have the brain set to do um, computer science. I wish I could have... I was able to do that, but I I struggle with it. I think for me, um, I was an English major and a language science and world literature double minor and there were times where I you know in the, in the last few years where I regret that I didn't pursue something in STEM that was maybe more practical but the reality was I wish I I was kind of I was very serious about my academics in undergrad and I didn't really and and you know my undergrad sort of blew by me and I don't think I really like enjoyed it that much and so I wish I would have realized that unless unless in fact I was in like engineering or any of the sciences GP, my GPA has never mattered ever I what what did matter was the little bit of like portfolio I was building up on like doing like little side jobs and what I would have done differently is be more of an opportunist um, participate more in I don't know things that would build my portfolio or that was like oh look what I designed for this party <laughs> or, or um, look at this little side job I did or I you know let my GPA slip a little bit I, like the GPA 
has never mattered. It's never, it's never come up. It's never done anything. Like my little like honors have never mattered. What has mattered has been like the the fact that as an undergrad, I worked um, in digitization at the University Archives, which gave me li- the library experience I needed to get a library job that I held during grad school, which gave me plenty of library experience that made me competitive straight out of grad school, so that I could get my first library job being that so many new grads have zero experience, zero portfolio, great GPAs are completely unemployable. Talking about undergrad jobs, I worked two different retail jobs and two different restaurants. And this means that I have a very corporate mindset. It bothers me so much how libraries do not have standards in some ways that major international corporations do. And if I was going to say one thing that gets me in trouble at work, it would be that expect us to keep pushing further and better and, you know, have the best signage in the world and it's always consistent, etc, etc, etc. And then they're like, calm down. We do not need to be that strict with ourselves. And I'm like, no. No, I totally agree. Um, do you, would you prefer that libraries see themselves more as businesses or are libraries something totally unique? Mm. It's... it's time It's time not to make enemies with the internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, since I work a lot on the publicity side of things, I think we need to get our, our acts in gear. And, you know, we, we have serious competitors out there, and we need to look good to them in that sense. But at the same time, I think... I'm thinking of public libraries for this one. The coziness of, like, the itty-bitty library nooks and the bookstores. I, I like that a lot. So it's hard. There was a good question that was kind of along the lines that every librarian just gets tired of answering. It's like, oh, you know, what do you think the futures of libraries are? And mine was, and this is kind of how I uh, finished out um, my time with the class. And I started a tangent, which went on for like about 15 minutes, but it had a narrative theme in that to make it really short, those of us, certainly no, no one in that class, but you and I remember Library 2.0, the 23 things potentially, was part of this notion of like building a library without walls that people could access our resources from whatever devices that they happen to have. And, you know, we kind of achieved that. And what I think libraries discovered is that the services that we offered to kind of the broadest community, basic reference services and stuff, are, I think we should be honest, being done better by Googles and the Wikipedias, the general, the things that we can have access to just through the window of our machine. But what I have experienced with, like, this uh, this going, this li- these libraries without walls is that as new and like previously unimaginable unimaginable technology proliferates and the bulk of our patrons academic or public are connected and interconnected uh, that even though yes they can access whatever they need to from wherever they are at their point of need wherever that point of need is are the services that matter have been the ones that are unique to that community. So even though, you know, we battered down the walls to unleash our services from the chains of brick and mortar, we ironically are, like, libraries are moving into, like, hyper-localization. And that's why 
um, you know, community libraries that can support it have, you know, seed libraries and bakery or bakery cookware libraries and guitar libraries. And they provide the programs and the events and the instruction and the digital media labs and the, the other machinery or whatever that is desired and needed by their local community. Specifically, these are things that don't translate well to digital. You can't check out a guitar with like through the internet, <laughs> you know? And I think, yeah, that these, these, uh, very specifically like local experiences these nooks this this the you know the um atmosphere of the building itself is maybe more important now than it was when than it was like you know 10 years ago before we all had phones in our pockets i have absolutely nothing to follow up with that other than our time's up this is good i like these uh questions and answers if any of you want to want us to repeat this <laughs> you should certainly send us questions you can contact us any way you like at your point of need just like most library services at libux.co amanda is at go daisies on twitter i am at scoeyfield we have a newsletter the web for libraries weekly we talk and do things amanda you have a course coming up yeah yeah i have a ux <laughs> course <laughs> uh is there are you doing any anything anything coming up around the corner that you want to plug doing a free webinar on wednesday october 7th i think it's 2 p.m eastern or maybe it's 3 p.m getting started with usability testing i believe it is Ooh. yeah that one's free i have some stuff coming up i don't know what it is off the top of my head i do know just because we just scheduled it today that um, in February, I get to do a free webinar on anticipatory design, which, you know, I love to talk about. And I think in November, I'm doing a talk on design triggers. I'm going to endeavor to make a post on LibUX that just has like all of our upcoming um, talks, especially the things that are free that people can kind of like glom onto because uh, yeah, I think that makes, makes a lot of sense rather than us having to even remember. Um, <laughs> anything else you, anything else you want to like finish out with? What are you watching? What's, a, what's your show right now? This is a um, podcast. Oh, <laughs> Steven Universe. Ooh, what's that? It's a cartoon. Uh, <laughs> I think it's written and designed by women, and it's awesome. But yes, what I was going to s- say, if anybody <laughs> would like to chime in with your own responses, um, you can tweet at either one of us or use the hashtag libux to respond to this yeah also i guess we should share there's another competing hashtag called uh, lita ux that happens on fridays at 2 p.m ish and i believe this week i am moderating um it's just a it's a twitter chat and we talk about user experience things bring your questions make friends it's glorious all right you know what i'm watching scream queens have you seen scream queens yet no Oh my gosh, it's great. It's like the uh, it's like everything that you love, I'm assuming. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming everyone loves B horror, like very like very self-aware horror movies and it's and it's basically about like a the kind of sorority that you just hate <laughs> and a serial killer on campus. <laughs> and um and they come together. Oh wow. Like it violently <laughs> that's LibuX. thank you so much for sticking with us for this episode um we have some really good interviews coming up in the weeks to come so please stay tuned and we will see you later bye bye